and welcome to episode 44 of the Brood Sages, Stormbound players with a head for the game. I am Freeloader, and with me, as always, are Sabaiku and Thomas. Sabaiku, how's it going tonight? Fantastic. And Thomas, how's it going tonight? Pretty all right. <laughs> Just like us, we are the Brood Sages, easily the second best Stormbound-related podcast in production. And as a reminder, you can always follow us at Brood Sages on Twitter. Or for all of you whose first vehicle was a Power Wheels, our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. Guys, we actually have a jam pack. This is very likely going to be super long, although I hate calling my shots ahead of time. Uh, but there's just so much goodness in this. Uh, the first thing that we're going to do, yes, we have patch notes, and I know everyone wants to get uh, the info and the skinny on what's going on with that. But we finally got to sit down with a very special someone again and talk with them about the state of the game. And I think it would be really nice to just start off this episode to hear from the man himself, the one and only Brjoza. And I am here with the one and only Brjoza. Brjoza, good evening to you. Good evening, Freeloader. Hello. It is wonderful to have you back on the show, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a long time. Well, yeah, it's been uh, uh, actually just over a year. Uh, and in that year, it has been Sheepyard at the helm. Uh, let's just get right into it. How, how has the year been? How do you feel about the, uh, uh, the year that Sheepyard has had with the game? You know, time flying flies really fast when you work on something that you are also passionate about. So it was very quick year, if I can say <laughs> that. Uh, but also it was a great year in terms of developing, developing Stormbound and making it ready for new features. Mm. Uh, what's also exciting is that we, uh, we've also made our social media profiles grow incredibly. And I'm also really happy about the connection we've built with the community for being here, for you making the podcast. It's just amazing. Well, thank you for that. Uh, it's great that you mentioned the uh, uh, social media aspect. Um, I've noticed that there's a lot more interaction with a lot of your social media stuff. Is that because more people have found the social media uh, accounts or is it because there's more players? Can, can you tell us, is the, is the game growing or is it just my perception that the game is growing? Uh, yes, it is actually growing slowly but steadily. And you can actually see the numbers on social media that reflect the actual number of players that decide to join the social media profiles as well. Uh, actually, right now, uh, we are almost there to hit 10,000 likes on Instagram. And I'm so happy about it. You cannot even imagine that. Uh, so is the game growing? Yes, definitely. But I awesome. sadly cannot share any numbers. Sorry for that. Understood, understood. Um... Uh, you, you've you've kind of uh, made mention or reference a couple of times that there was, um, uh, you know, after you picked up the game from Paladin, that there was a, a, a learning curve for the coders at Sheepyard, uh, but also just some, uh, we'll, we'll call it cleanup work, uh, where, where the code base had to be kind of modified a little bit in ways that we might not see in the game because the, the cards aren't changing their behavior, but the code was being changed so that... Uh, future endeavors that Sheepyard might want to make with the game would be possible. Uh, how is that uh, coming along? Is it done? Do you feel like you're ready to start introducing more stuff or is there still some cleanup to do? There's still some cleanup, but a lot of work happens behind the scenes. So just like you said, uh, players don't see everything. Uh, some features actually needed a full rewrite. Some needed just a bit more polishing. Mm, and I'm happy to say that we are almost there to have the code base ready 
to support uh, our final vision of the game. Ooh, uh, recently, we just hit the anniversary of the game. Uh, you had the the, uh, the annual anniversary event. Mm -hmm. uh, how'd it go? How did you think it went? It went really great, like truly great. Uh, especially the double income event. Uh, I've seen people loving it really much, and so did we. Uh, I, my wife was not particularly happy with me spending the money, but uh, I was <laughs> thrilled uh, uh, spending the money. Let me tell you, that was a fun uh, amount of pack opening. And yeah, the double income thing where you could uh, get more rubies than normal and then use those rubies to buy more cards than normal was uh, very nice. Yeah, it was well thought for sure. And uh, don't forget that the Black Friday is coming next month. So maybe some more stuff is coming as well. Ooh. Okay. All right. Well, uh, uh, I'm I'm saving up my rubies again, and uh, I guess I won't, <laughs> I won't spend any at the end of this month then. Um, so there have been, you know, just 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 very quickly, uh, you've introduced new races. Uh, you there's been loads of buffs and nerfs that we couldn't get to right now uh, to talk through all of them. But you've also changed brawl significantly. Uh, added new versions of brawl, the the warrior and the casual. Um, how is the game in, in your mind? Oh, and pardon me. You, you also introduced the heroes league in the last year. Um, how do you feel that is the state of the game right now? Is it, is it, um, more or less the game that you guys thought you were going to turn it into when you bought it? Or are we just kind of in the middle and, and the, the light is still not visible at the end of the tunnel? Mm, I'd say it's like around 30% completed, but now each percent will be achieved much faster than before. Especially because of what I told you a moment ago, uh, our code is ready to do so. Uh, but not only the code, uh, you know, monetization is finally ready, new login system is almost ready, and that makes us finally able to fully focus on uh, the upcoming content. Now, the gameplay on ladder, uh, and I'm speaking predominantly uh, uh, Platinum, uh, Diamond, and Heroes League, mm -hmm. uh, has settled into a, a, a fairly predominantly mid-range-centric meta. Um, there's excellent balance, and, and, and we've said so before on, on the podcast. Kudos to Sheepyard for achieving uh, interfactionary balance. Uh, all the factions have good cards, good decks that can be built and can compete. Um, but Rush is a little weaker than mid-range right now, and then control is much harder to achieve good success with than the other two. Um, that being said, uh, the games also settle into a very predictable amount of time. They don't, they don't go to 20 minutes too often, and they're not over in three minutes. Uh, is this your ideal state where it's mostly a mid-range game? Mm, I wouldn't say it's our ideal state of the meta, but it's the safest one for sure. Uh, what we are really proud of is the fact that we see each archetype of, of each faction being easily able to get into top 50 of the Heroes League. And that's exactly what we wanted to achieve. So, you know, meta being mid-range centric, but also having some space for Rush and Agro and all their mixes is a really healthy meta to have. It is true, although although uh, Fleshmenders has not seen its time in the uh, sun yet. So let me just <laughs> Remind you that, that that card is there, and I just leveled it up to five. So let's do something with it so we can break it, and then you'll have to nerf it. <laughs> of course, I note it down. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for telling me. In fact, we might as well co coordinate. I actually have enough gold right now. Uh, I could level up about four or five cards. Do you want to just tell me which ones you're planning on nerfing soon, so that way uh, 
I'll just get it out of the way now. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe let me counter ask you, uh, what are you hoarding your coins now for? <laughs> oh, and then well, I can, yeah? <laughs> sure. Uh, so let's think. Uh, I, I am one card away from uh, Cordia. I need mm -hmm. one more copy. Yeah, need, it's very, uh, very good card right now. Yep, yep. I, I, I need two more copies for Klaxi. Oh, no, I take that back. I just packed one. So I need one more copy for Klaxi. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, and then uh, Loris is still very far away for me, as is Siren. So th those are the ones that I'm kind of holding back for. But the one that I'm really, and, I, and I've been very upfront with everybody in, in uh, Discord about this. So when you do nerf it, they've all been made aware. Trekking Alderman is where all my fusion stones are going. <laughs> I love uh, that card. And it was, I think, honestly, a great choice to buff it like that. I mean, uh, I'm seeing the, the data uh, behind the win ratio of Trekking Alderman right now, and I'm really happy uh, because of what I'm seeing. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, be before you pat yourself on the back too much, I'll point out that um, uh, the Merc... Uh, and I think several other of the top players are playing it. And honestly, they could they could play with flesh menders and have uh, wonderful win rates. So they might be skewing your data slightly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I take I take a look a little bit closer then into the yeah, data. You, <laughs> if right, you, you say so, <laughs> you, you have to throw out the uh, the outliers. Okay. Um, you've been introducing new cards uh, and new features on a fairly steady pace. Uh, is this what we should be expecting, or? Would you like to see that pace accelerated? Mm, right now, it's actually as fast as we can produce new content, new cards, etc. Uh, having new content rolling out more frequently is something what we are actually aiming for. And I truly hope uh, it will be happening at, what, at one point in the future. Uh, especially now when we clearly know what will be happening next. And finally, not needing to focus on monetization because it's ready, you know. So uh, it's not going bad in terms of how quick we uh, add new stuff to the game, but uh, I truly believe it's going to be faster now. All right. Um, this one actually comes from Sibaiko. He had, a, I thought, a very good question about uh, card balancing. In your mind, is card balancing ever done or is it ever just sort of this is balanced for now? We'll see what happens when the meta shifts again. <laughs> I'd say balance is never uh, final. So basically because some of the cards are getting too popular, uh, uh, players are still finding new ways of playing certain cards, so it's never final. And meta can shift, indeed. So it's not like we are going to stop balancing stuff. It's it's never going to happen, in my opinion. Okay. And... Um... As it stands, you've been introducing a lot of new cards, especially right around the anniversary. We got a, a whole batch of new ancients plus uh, 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 sparkly kitties right before it. Not all of those cards, though, have really distributed themselves through the meta yet, uh, and some of that is because of leveling and and you know the difficulty in finding specific cards in packs, etc. Uh, do you feel that the economy in the game? is structured appropriately so that players can adopt these new cards as you bring them uh, to bear? The economy is getting better and better, but but it's definitely not the final pace we are think, thinking about. Uh, each new feature, each new next feature, will be speeding it up for sure. Hmm. Okay. And a uh, question for the guys at the top, and the gals at the top, pardon me. Uh -huh. question, question for the players at the top. Uh, 
is the Hero League, um, I know you've been making adjustments to it in terms of uh, uh, how broad a, uh, a crown uh, amount you can queue into versus queue times and stuff like that. Have, have, do you feel like you've now finally got the Heroes League working the way you want it to work? Mm, more or less, yes. But is it perfect? Definitely not yet. Uh, there are slight changes being implemented each month to make the Heroes League matchmaking system better uh, that you might never, that you might not even be noticing. Uh, so you know we are getting and getting getting closer to the perfection. Okay. Um, what card so far? Jumping to uh, cards you've introduced. What card uh, has Shipyard introduced in the last year that you are most proud of? That's a good question. Uh, I think I'm mostly proud of Sparkly Kitties. And that's not only because of her uh, pretty interesting ability or balance, but it's also because we've managed to satisfy this amazing human, you know, feline being with a card that she deserves more than anyone else. Mm, so yeah, I would say Sparkly Kitties. And kudos to Kitty for doing everything she does. Oh, yes. We, we are truly blessed to have Kitty in the uh, community. That's very true. Um, and, and and also one of the things that I've been uh, uh, complimenting Sheepyard on lately is the cards that have been introduced are usable right away. You don't have to wait to level them all up. Uh, and uh, I have found that playing uh, Sparkly Kitties with uh, my Trekking Alderman... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want her to get too big because then she deals too much damage to it. Mm -hmm. But 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 uh, trekking alderman chestnuts and uh, even some uh, 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 crow glyphs uh, work very nicely with a uh, level one uh, sparkly kitties. So yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I still remember our uh, brainstorm about sparkly kitties. Uh, basically, we are thinking about what if players won't actually level her up just because. Uh, they now will be able to trigger the elders, and just like you said, it's happening. Yes, it's it's not necessarily um, meta breaking or you know heroes league defining, uh, but it's really funny when you do it. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> um, so in general, outside of heroes league, uh, the matchmaking seems to be uh, relatively quickly. Uh, you know. It doesn't take too long to queue in, maybe a little longer on days when there's a brawl. Mm -hmm. uh, do you feel like overall the matchmaking uh, uh, system is where you want it to be? Is that is that going to kind of stay stable for a while? Or, or are you still trying to do what you can to find better made matches? Mm, it's not perfect yet, but uh, I can tell you that we are getting there. Okay. Um, shifting gears again, let's mm -hmm. look towards the future. We have another year to go. Uh, although hopefully we'll get to uh, interview you again before <laughs> next anniversary. <laughs> uh -huh. um, can you give us any insights, any ideas on um, what kind of events you might wanting, uh, be wanting to introduce for the first time or uh, any new game modes, any cards, anything? Like just what, what do we have to look forward to between now and the next anniversary? It's a... Uh... Tough question, because there is a lot to say, and I'm not too sure what I can say. Mm -hmm. uh, regarding the events, I honestly don't know if I can tell you that, so I'll pass on this one. About the <laughs> game modes, yeah, it's, it's more interesting one for sure. Uh, I can actually say something. Ooh. 
yeah, the, uh, the next game mode will be a draft mode that you've never seen before. And I can assure you that. Mm, maybe you didn't know, but I'm pretty sure that I've played most draft modes that are uh, or were available in any other card games uh, on the market. And the draft mode will be designed by me. And I can assure you that it's going to be amazing. Oh, I am stoked for this. Have, have... Um, I can't like Reckless's jaw is gonna drop the moment he hears this audio. So I've actually talked with him a few days ago, and he's also amazed and cannot wait for it. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah I can just imagine. Um, just to hype it up, I think I can say something more about it if you want. Mm-hmm. Please do. No, please yeah. say all you want. <laughs> uh, there are a few special things it will have, but the most fun one. Death will definitely be that you can upgrade your cards after each game you played in a certain draft session. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, it's the totally unique selling point uh, compared to other draft modes. And I, uh, I've played the prototype, and it's just amazing. Trust me. So, so I just I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. So yeah. it all starts as an equals thing, just like equals now. Exactly. Uh, but then suddenly. You cue into an opponent who's equals aside from his level four true shot. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no. I wouldn't say it would happen on the second game, but perhaps on the third game of the draft session. Basically, it's going to look like that. Uh, you start your draft session, you draft your deck of 12 cards, uh, and after each game you play, even though you, you lose or, uh, or win, uh, you get a certain number of upgrade points. Then you draft cards uh, from your uh, already um, drafted deck mm-hmm. and uh, upgrade certain cards which you choose to be upgraded. And it's going to be just amazing. And after each game, you get more cards. I mean, more uh, card upgrades to, to add. Uh, so, so yeah, obviously never upgrade Sparkly Kitties. Uh, <laughs> But 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 upgrade your elders, so then you've got the the killer deck ready to go. This is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's going to be all right. So um, next question, uh, we have the race of ancients that has now several cards in it. Um, we know there's going to be a couple more at least. Can you speak any more about well, just just in general, what kind of cards? Uh, uh, Obviously, there's there's a flavor to Ancients. Can you give us, like, how was that developed and, and, and how do you see that shaping the last couple of Ancients that come out? Mm, ancients are pretty tough to design, I have to say, because the whole before-moving mechanic uh, isn't uh, very easy to, like, find good abilities that would work with it and not, like, ruin the whole game or not be underpowered or overpowered. So about Ancients right now, I can only say that uh, this race isn't completed yet. Uh, There will be a few more uh, neutral Ancients, and we are additionally thinking about adding one for each faction uh, with the faction flavors. But uh, I can't really say too much about it because I could, you know, leak too much. Understood, understood. Can you at least tell us if the Temple of Focus... Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, interactivity. <laughs> if that was something that had been uh, 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 contemplated before it became the meme of uh, September, I know it's been the meme and it's been uh, completed. But uh, that's actually what we wanted to achieve: uh, having 
a card that's underused and can actually synergize with new ancients, uh, I mean, with a new race of ancients is uh, something cool. But right now we also have to keep in mind that uh, we have to balance ancients properly, not to break the game because of the Temple of Focus. So <laughs> it's a double-edged sword. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, other uh, races that are being considered that you may or may not introduce, can you just kind of give us some idea of like, what, what does your dartboard of ideas look like? Mm, there's one next race we are considering to add in the future updates, but I sadly am not allowed to say anything about it yet. So sorry, freeloader. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, uh, just cough once if it was aliens. <laughs> that wasn't a cough, by the oh, way. <laughs> that was not a cough? Yeah. Okay, sure. That's, yeah. um, <clears throat> do you think that the balance... So we've talked about the balance in terms of strengths across the factions and, and that seems to be pretty solid um but what about the new player experience versus the mid or extremely experienced players is the game you think in a state where each one of players in, in those categories has space where they can learn and grow and explore without necessarily either queuing into the wrong area or you know does the game work across the board mm. <sighs> It's a tough question again. Uh, if I think if the game is ready or needs a rebalance, uh, I think it does, and we are currently taking another step to deliver a better experience of playing Stormbound. Uh, I've actually recently convinced our team that the game is finally ready for adding card-level caps in ranked mode. So new and mid players won't be hitting the wall that's been you know, frustrating them since the beginning of Stormbound. And uh, about the balance of progression for experienced players, um, there's more to come with the new features, new modes, etc. So the progression will be overall better and better. Now, when I step back and I think about what that will do for the economy, mm -hmm. when I'm a, and I'm just going to make it up here, I'm a, I'm a gold level or platinum level player, and there's a hard cap at, let's say, I don't know, I'm making this up because I don't have any idea what your, what your uh, thoughts are, but let's say level three in gold, uh, suddenly I don't have to try to save up all those fusion stones and resources to try to push the one or two level five cards I need in order to compete. You can just have fun. Right. Mm -hmm. I just have fun. That's going to, that's going to change significantly the experience of a, of a mid-level, uh, and it's certainly a new level play, uh, player game. Oh, definitely. Uh, I honestly think, even if it's not uh, too big, you know, feature-wise, uh, in my opinion, it's like the most important and the biggest change in the history of Stormbound. All right. Okay. Well, that would be, yeah, the sooner the better. I mean, obviously, that's not going to impact um, players at the top particularly. Mm -hmm. uh, but it does mean that if they go away from the game for a few months, which happens, people need a break whatever it is, and they decide to come back, that they won't feel so guilty trouncing on all of these players just because their levels are too high. And they will have to prove their actual skill in Stormbound because sure. they will be queuing into the same levels, most likely. Yeah. Except for that chill beards, because nobody's bothered. Or, not chill beards. Uh, don't, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, 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 wait, wait. I'm only two copies away. 
Oh. I'm only two copies away from level five. I was hoping at the end of the season. That was so <laughs> make sure to level it up for the compensation. Well, of course, right? That's, that's how I do what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so a year from now, how much bigger would you like to see Stormbound? Do you think, do you think the, the, the growth rate right now is going to be what you'll be able to sustain? Or are you hoping to increase the size significantly? Or do you think you're kind of nearing your cap? Where, how big would you like Stormbound to be uh, at the anniversary in 2022? I cannot really share any numbers, but uh, we would love Stormbound to be twice as it is now. And that's our goal for 2022. So pretty much double the player base. You want to double the player base in one year of a game that's been on the market for over five years? Easily. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> that's an eye-opener. As someone with a background in marketing, that's an eye-opening statement. That's going to be uh, that's going to be a year for you guys. I, I hope it happens. Q times in brawl on brawl days will be uh, significantly improved for sure. Uh, and in draft mode, of course. Oh, that's right. Adding in an extra mode on top of all of it. Ooh, all right, Bjoza. Okay, well. Uh, let's agree then that, uh, the moment you double, you don't have to tell anybody, just cue mm-hmm. in another interview with us and, and we'll know just okay. a little tongue in cheek. Okay. We have a deal for that. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Uh, we really appreciate this and, uh, looking forward to having you on again soon, my friend. And in between now and then, mm-hmm. uh, best of luck, nerf chill beards and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hopefully, I'll queue into you on ladder at some time. Yeah, hopefully. Thank you once again for having me. Uh, it's it's a blessing to have your podcast. Like, really, uh, you are doing such a great work. And don't stop, please. Just don't stop. Thank you once again. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to open it up here. Let's start with Thomas. What were your reactions? I'm really excited for basically everything that he was mentioning in that. Um, number one, obviously, the draft mode. That's going to be. Uh, insane uh, which we can talk a lot more about later on because that uh, ended up showing up in the draft or in the uh, patch notes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sibaiku, what stuck out for you yeah i really liked that he highlighted all of the work that they've been doing to get the code base to get the game in the state where now it's ready for changes to come at a faster pace these are a lot of a lot of things that he's talked about on Discord for a while. A lot of things that a lot of the players have been looking forward to for a while. And just knowing that there are changes coming and that the game could, by the end of the year, be really different than it is now is really nice, uh, especially because the end of the year is only a couple months away. Oh, good point. Yeah, um, I agree with you on the code, uh, that part of it. I mean, we knew that they were doing this kind of cleanup in the background. Uh, to your point about the game continually changing and maybe even accelerating. Um, the part that uh, kind of resonated with me is uh, when I asked him about uh, his opinions on, are you ever really done balancing a card or um, have you really finalized the matchmaking? And and it seems like Sheepyard's really committed to just trying to always keep it within balance. And uh, um, so they're never going to stop. Right. He uh, said we... the, the goal is every archetype, every faction is able to be played at a high level. I think he said uh, Heroes League top 50. Like that, that's great. Like keep tweaking the cards until that's a reality. That would be, that would be something that I think we would all love to see. So it's not just uh, swarm bucks over and over again that we're facing. I mean, the good news is, at least from my perspective, 
they're starting with a good platform on that. I feel like I can play every faction and every archetype equally badly. So now they just need to somehow figure out how to elevate that across the board. Easy. Um, the last thing, Thomas, uh, your thoughts on uh, their goal of doubling the player base in the next year. That is extremely ambitious, but really cool. Um, the amount of extra players that we'll actually be able to play against on a regular basis. I mean, like when you're in the top uh, 50 or 100 of Heroes League, you are going to be facing the same person after per at, over and over and over again. And so I, I'm really excited to um, for their goals of trying to get that many extra people and just have that many more uh, matches going on. So even if they do add in one more mode, our queue times are going to be, well, less than half of what they're currently at. So this is, that's huge. Yeah, I would, I would love to be able to queue in on ladder and not be able to tell the difference between Tuesday and Thursday, right? Absolutely, yeah. Brawl. It would be awesome. All right, there was a lot more in uh, the interview and we will touch on a lot of it. So why don't we start off with the patch notes? Um and we've already alluded to it. Thomas, you made mention of it. So why don't you start us off with what's the first plan to come? First new item. Oh boy, the draft mode. So um, I'm extremely excited for this. And draft is like the best thing in the world. When you, everybody that's like newer to games, they generally end up... Uh, drifting over to a draft mode because it's going to allow everyone to be at the same level, the same playing field, everyone's doing the same shenanigans. And so it makes the playing field very fair for um, very experienced players and for very new players. And the ridiculous decks that you always end up having because you don't have the card pool, you don't have the ability to make the perfect meta deck. So you're making just really wonky stuff and, I'm, I'm just so excited to see what uh, Broja's vision on this is. One of the things that Broja talked about, which was super exciting, was the possibility that in between games, you'd be able to level up cards. Yeah, which adds another element of strategy to it. Uh, if you're able to choose which cards to level up or how much to level it up, you can kind of try to hit the cards that are a little more impactful, hit the cards that have a break point, right? Like there's not much point from going, uh, which is from level one to level two, but if you can get it from level two to level three, all of a sudden mm. it's a really big deal. Um, so things like that, I think add, add a nice little element of strategy to the draft mode. And probably I suspect a little more RNG too. If you do not get to level up every card in your deck, if you're forced to choose from a limited pool, uh, what I wanted to say about the draft mode, one of the things that I really like about it, you just you get to play with new cards. You know, if you don't have something at your in your collection at a sufficiently high level um, for a long time, my Doctor Mia just kind of lagged behind, and was like, well, I just I can't play structure desk decks mm. because of it, right? If you're able to get those cards in a draft mode and make a deck out of it and play with those cards there, you get to still have fun with the cards, even though your collection isn't as robust as you want it to be. Yeah, what what has me uh, most excited about it is from a streamer's point of view, right? Um, you know, I don't know if we've mentioned it very often, but I do like to stream uh, and I stream exclusively Stormbound. Um, when you stream like a two or three hour ladder climb within the heroes league uh it can get 
fairly monotonous. You're only going to see maybe three or four different decks. Uh, once you get high enough, it might even only be two or three different decks that you're going to queue into. So your, your viewers are seeing you play the same thing into, uh, you know, fairly monotonous opponents. Uh, with <laughs> When you're in a draft mode, um, there's all kinds of decision points where you can interact with chat and ask them their opinions. Okay, should we go crazy or should we go with the safe bet? Uh, which card do we want to upgrade? There's all these wonderful decision points and every game is going to feel very different because to both of your points, these are not meta decks. These are nowhere <laughs> near meta decks. Um, we don't know any data on it, but our history, Sibaiku, uh, playing in Hearthstone, uh, the rarity of the cards are uh, impact how often they're presented within draft, right? And so if that continues with this, you're not going to see that many legend heavy decks. In fact, you might see a lot of decks with none potentially. Yep, That's... You're definitely going to have to make do with what you get. And that can be hard. You're going to have to learn how to how to draft around combos because the odds of you uh, taking something like uh, Ozone, hoping to find Hysteria, well... <laughs> and you know, one thing that we have certainly said in the past on this podcast, and I very much believe is that not every card is good at every level too. Mm -hmm. There are definitely cards that get better as they level up and cards that are better at level one and get worse as they level up. So you also have to kind of think about the long-term perspective when you're selecting your cards right off the bat. Like, oh, if I can get this to level three, it's good. Should I take it? Should I assume that I'm going to be able to actually make it that far it presents some nice some nice challenges for sure i'm going to move us on from this topic with one final thought because it touches on Bergeau's target of doubling the player base right um this is an established game so there's not going to be a lot of new game hype one way in which i've seen other games try to gain exposure is they pay for sponsored streams from well-established streamers so like i would watch for example brian kibler and a lot of times his final hour wouldn't be Hearthstone. He would tell everyone, okay, I'm going to log off of my Hearthstone now. I'm going to play this other game. They're paying. This is a, you know, a sponsored stream now. For this last hour, we're going to do this other game. And trying to do that with a streamer who didn't casually play Stormbound would have meant prior to now that they would have had to go through the entire initiation thing, queuing up into nobody in the Iron League, and then suddenly running into level five decks. It might not have been the best foot forward for Stormbound, but if Sheepyard wants to pay for one of those big name streamers to try to help get the word out and do a sponsored stream every once in a while, draft mode would be the way to do it, right? Absolutely, yeah. Now, the hardest part there is, you know, somebody coming in fresh isn't going to be able to kind of make those, those decisions that we just talked about. Um, but hopefully the barrier to entry is pretty low. You know, it's not not a ton of coins to get in and play. Uh, I assume that there's going to be some sort of fee, um, just again, based off a of Hearthstone experience. So hopefully that fee is pretty minimal and it's easy for people to get in and kind of accumulate rewards and progress their their collection and their economy in a different manner than ranked mode. Mm. Yeah, I'll be streaming both ladder and uh, draft as soon as draft comes out. I think I might cut about 50% of my streams over to it because of just how much fun I think it's going to be. Moving on from there, uh, uh, Thomas, uh, 
there is now a reworked campaign mode. What do we know? Thomas, uh, did we lose you? No, I'm here. Oh, I okay. completely forgot what this one is. That's okay, because well, we don't gonna know be, anything about the joke it. joke was supposed to be nothing. That's all we... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I could Sorry. just say, which we know nothing about. <laughs> yes, exactly. All we know is that the campaign mode is getting reworked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah. Um, I got to remember where exactly you left off so that I can get into it. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. We're safe. we're keeping all this in. Yeah. This oh, is no. <laughs> oh, this is good. But yeah. So anyway, the uh, reworked campaign mode, uh, patch notes just say it'll bring much more enjoyment to your uh, daily gaming sessions. Whatever that means, we'll find out. So Mike, you have a sneaking suspicion you'll be able to do campaign mode stuff for quests? Maybe, as opposed to just friendlies against the CPU or trying to clear it on ladder. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who knows? An enhanced single-player experience is kind of all that we've got at this point. I hope hope it's fun. All right. So this this next one we're going to spend a little time on. Uh, Sabaiku, we are going to see card level limits in ranked mode. Yeah. So now as you're fighting your way up through gold, you won't see opponents with level five cards anymore. I got to say, for uh, for us whales here uh, hosting this podcast, it's not really relevant to us anymore. But I sure do remember fighting my way up through gold and platinum and just like, okay, good match. I won that one. And now a level five farmer and uh, just going right back to where I started. <laughs> I actually disagree with you. We will feel this difference. I think this is going to uh, motivate a lot of players to move up who are currently in lower leagues. Agreed. It'll do that. And then additionally, so when you were talking earlier about the potential promotional, may not even have to do that. This new um, level limit could single-handedly be the reason that there's that many more new players. Just, I can't even imagine the amount of people that have quit Stormbound because they were... Uh, silver or gold or had just gotten into platinum um, new players that had only been playing for a couple months at max and just got beat down after beat down after beat down and since they invested so little time into the game they were like well it's not worth playing i'm just gonna uninstall and go find something else where i'm not gonna get continually beat down every single game so i think this is going to be huge in uh retaining players so i mean like uh, when you look at the Play Store, Stormbound has had like over a million downloads, and I, I definitely don't think there are a million players with the fact that there's generally around a thousand people that make it into Heroes League. So who knows how many there actually currently are, but I mean, if those million players had continued playing because they didn't feel this uh, beatdown, um, just obviously we're not going to get that million, but Still, I think this is going to have massive long-term effects uh, for the positives long-term for this game. Yeah, I have been uh, uh, trying to introduce a friend almost every month to the game. And I have been uh, very successful uh, in getting them through the, the, you know, the, the campaign mode and through the sort of the initiation. Uh, I lose them in silver or gold. Uh, Almost every time. Uh, do you remember when we were in silver and gold? Like it, it, you, it we terrible. almost quit. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm too obstinate. <laughs> right. We literally had this conversation between the two of us. It's it's going to be 
months of us just banging our head against the wall in platinum trying to get into diamond did you, do we want to stick around for that like i'm glad we did but yeah it 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 did stick yeah. oh yeah it's it's because of those people that when i'm in the ultimate brawl and i see a base health 20 that is in silver or gold i i enjoy that match every second of that match <laughs> see you do i don't because what ends up happening is I only see those players in the brawl where their library is uh, uh, properly honed. So they are either a, uh, a knight main who plays in silver with all level five knights and nothing else in his library level five. So that's, and I don't have my heroic is level four. Like, so for me, it means I'm about to get level bullied for the first time. And I don't know how long. Or, or the pirate brawl it's the same thing i'm just like well my lucky charmers are level four i'm gonna get blown out this game <laughs> every time it the, the one thing i, I do want to uh, make mention that, that it was pointed out in uh, uh the discord chat today that there are people who will walk away from the game for a month or two just because that you know inevitably happens and they come back and now they find themselves in a lower league than they were which already meant that they had work to do to get back to where they were uh, uh, feeling the right level of competition. And now suddenly they don't even have access to their complete library. Their, their library is literally reduced in power level from what they had built up. Now they only have level three cards, for example, uh, and they have to work through that. I don't think that it's that big of a deal. My gut reaction to that concern, which I think is a legitimate concern, there will be people who are impacted that way. But I actually think skill matters more than people are giving it credit for. And even though they're playing with now just equivalent, they're not getting out leveled, but they're playing with equivalent levels. I think they'll still do fine and they'll be able to win back up in relatively short order. One would assume so. And if not, then like, good, they're in a level where they can kind of hone those skills, get a little bit better and work their way up, you know, the way that everyone else had to, the way that they had to the first time. It's not unreasonable to think, hey, somebody's going to be rusty when they're gone for a few months and they come back. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, you would be just as rusty if you uh, started out and you were uh, having your level five cards in diamond. In fact, I think I've had even more heard even more complaints against people that said that they dislike how when they um, are gone for a few months and then they feel bad that they've got these level five decks and they're slaughtering everybody as they rank all the way up. So no matter what someone can complain about one way or another, I at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters because, yeah, they're going to make their way back up and into the higher leagues again anyway. Objectively, though, if you step away from it as a player and just look at it as a set of rules, this just feels fair. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, sure, it, it sucks you went away for a couple of months, but now you're you, when you come back, your matches have to be played fair is, is basically what this rule is. And I don't know. How do you complain against that? Mm-hmm. The uh, the funny thing is that these uh, people are going to be in for a shock. Um, and and the reason I say this is because when um, the casual brawl was, was released, the amount of players I played against that were running uh, level one um, gifted recruits in their deck. And it's oh, just hilarious yeah. because gifted recruits at level five is literally one of the best cards in the game um it is it is a basically a staple it's probably a 95 percent of um decks that are all completely maxed out but when it's level one it's literally one of the worst cards in the game and so yeah the amount of uh people that um had 
level five collections for a very long time just totally forgot about that entire issue and you're running a brawl and the casual brawl and here you you see them run out of level one uh gifted recruits and you're like okay i can win this <laughs> <laughs> i may or may not have been playing one of the lower level brawls and i dropped mia near no tower <laughs> and nothing happened and i just hit concede close the app <laughs> yeah it definitely you know like we talked about with the uh, draft mode, not all cards are good at all levels. This is so true. Yeah, and that's just another reason why the draft mode will be really interesting. Because yeah, like you, if you think that, or it depends on how um, far a draft obviously goes. But if there is potential to do enough drafting to eventually get something to like a level four, then yeah, it, it feels real bad to take that level one. Um, gifted recruits because it is so terrible but if you had a strategy and and the draft mode went long enough that could actually be viable for you to continue to try and take that for that long-term payoff i, I might look I'm, I'm thinking right now I'm, i don't know if this is correct but i'm thinking i'm going to focus on trying to uh, level up my runners more than anything else mm-hmm. it's at least my initial thought all right moving on from there this one should be really short because we know very little uh, except that they're looking at uh, uh, finally implement, implementing a new login system. We got a little bit of an update on that. Thomas, did you uh, see what the update was? Um, just that uh, they're almost there and it's being internally tested. Um, I feel like I've seen stuff about this in the Discord before, and it you don't have to jump through the hoops of congregate or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it should take you away from congregate congregate and into their own internal system and uh, hopefully decouple that, which makes things a lot nicer for most people. Definitely would. Yeah, I'm I'm actually holding off on changing my in-game name from Freeloader HS to Freeloader SB, unless someone takes it first. I guess I should just ask to get my name changed now, but my understanding is I've got to go through uh, Congregate to do it, and it, it just sounded too complicated. You could also just do uh, Freeloader uh, BS. <laughs> I should do Freeloader BS. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it's accurate. All right. So this release, just like any other, is going to also bring uh, the, the very coveted and oft-debated uh, balance changes. Uh, we have a few... I will we'll try to do these ones a little bit quicker. So let's start. I'll ask Sabaiku first. We have Bounded Demons, whose strength is now 2, 3, 3, 4, 5, which is up from 1, 2, 2, 3, 4. So one more at every single level. What do you think? Yeah, I got to say, I don't know if that's enough to make this playable. We weren't really seeing a lot of use from it anyway. Um, you know, When you played it on turn one, you got decent value out of it because you were your opponent was unlikely to be able to clear it unless they went with a hunter's vengeance response right Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. now you get one more strength on the main body so i guess it's maybe more likely to survive but it doesn't seem by a lot like five is a pretty common break point in the game and anything that's able to trade into it removes it before you get any sort of effect from it so it's really reliant on positioning it's really reliant on your opponent not being able to counter it so I don't really see any of that changing just because it has one more strength. Thomas, do you find it interesting? This this is already getting a buff. It hasn't even been in the game for a month. Just you wait until we get to the rest of these cards. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, but, but like I, I'm I'm surprised. Do, do they anticipate that 
the play rate is just so low it needs to be buffed uh, that, that, that people would have been able to even upgrade it fast enough? Well, I mean, they've said multiple times that they plan on uh, releasing cards for the most part that are um, under strength and then buff them over the course of time. But I think they took a step back and just saw how unbelievably weak this thing is that um, there is just literally zero incentive for anyone to try and target it. And so decide to try and bring it up already um i i mentioned this last time when it was released though that i am a little bit afraid of its um, level one capability so like in draft mode Mm -hmm. this thing is i think pretty darn competitive and so um level one's good five it's terrible well i mean at five it does win a trade against mers oh boy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, thomas you'll get the next one lost psyche strength is now up three, four, five, six, seven, which is up from two, three, four, five, six. So again, uh, one more at every breakpoint. What do you think? Heck yeah, this is exactly what it should have been released as. I think this is going to be perfectly balanced over the course of time. I don't think they're ever going to have to change this card again because it's not going to be overpowered and it's not going to be underpowered. Mm, wow. Sabaiku, this is it? The one thing that I can say that I would like for this card for one additional change is don't let it teleport to the square it starts on unless mm. there's no option, like unless every other uh, tile in the row is blocked. That would be cool, but I don't think that's critical, in my opinion. To me, that gives it just a little more degree of control over where it goes, both for you and for your opponent trying to counter it. But other than that, I think that the, the strength is perfect now. I would play this. Yeah, I would play this as well uh, if it wasn't for the fact that um, I already have a seven health in my deck because I love tracking Ogreman. Uh Sabaiku, Fragmented Essences. Strength is now two, three, four, five, six, down from three, four, five, six, seven. So it's our first nerf of the uh, patch. It was way too good. Now it is reasonable. Uh, it's still it's still strong. Like six strength for uh, two mana that doesn't move is still strong. Uh, it's going to be good. Yeah, this is a lawless herd now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's slightly better than lawless herd in uh, swarm because you've got uh, the two bodies generally happening for um, bucks to trigger. But now that it's down to six, I'm most likely going to take this back out um, for Head Start. Now Head Start has more strength, but less control, which is reasonable, mm-hmm. right? And yep. this this is just a good body for uh, opening the game to make sure there's something on the board to have Zuri's buff. It doesn't survive Hunter's Vengeance anymore. Oh, good point. I, oh, yeah, I, I guess that's... I forgot to say um, I would. So this is going to be in when I'm running uh, Harvest in, in Swarm because I still have the control then for, for Dark Harvest. But otherwise, oh, yeah, it's going to be okay. Head Start. Yep. I, I, I like that. I, I do think that faction cards in general, when compared to neutral cards, should be slightly stronger. So I like the fact that Head Start is now, again, the stronger two drop solution for Swarm versus either uh, uh, Lawless Herd or Fragmented Essences. Yep. And like between Fragmented and Lawless, I think um, they're perfectly equal with each other now. Uh, I wouldn't say one is better than the other in any way. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you thought that this was Lawless Herd Plus, but I agree with you. I don't, I think that there are pros and cons to keeping the body uh, intact or splitting it up, and some decks take advantage of one or the other. 
Right. Uh, the fact that you can now choose which to put in your deck is nice. It's a little more flexibility, so you don't always see the same cheap cards over and over again. Mm-hmm. The last thing I'll say about this card, because uh, we're going to come back to it again in a little bit, I promise, is that it no longer now trades with a max level scrapped planners that has gone through a uh, damage already. It probably should have never been able to do that in the first place. <laughs> Interesting yep. take, but okay. No, I do agree with Thomas on that one, right? Scrap Planner's uh, superpower is basically that you can't chip it down. You need something at least as big of it to remove it. If you if your superpower is you can't be chipped down, then you shouldn't be able to remove it with a two-mana card. Now, the only exception to that in the game is Ice Flakes, which I think is fair because Ice Flakes is frozen, and that's a pretty significant drawback. You don't use it outside of uh, those kind of defensive functions very often. Sure. And then, you know, like some of the three mana cards, like Harpies of the Hunt or uh, Helio Helio Troopers, Mindless Horde, like they all have other drawbacks, notably being that they don't move. Or that they're poisoned. So overall, (laughs) I think that it's uh, pretty reasonable. Mm -hmm. Okay. Moving on from there, we have our second nerf. Thomas, uh, you were just telling me last time that this was the best card in the game. Well, no, that you knew a guy (laughs) whose brother's cousin, who was about to get married, uh, uh, said it was the best card in the game. Uh, Toad the Elevated is now still the same body. But its ability, which was it gains after damage uh, or after attacking and surviving three, four, five, six, seven. Its ability will now be two, three, four, five, six. So one less at every level. What do you think? Um, it's still a great card. Um, I would like back in the day. I, 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 uh, I guess that's today. Uh, <laughs> it's like a scale of nine out of 10 on the power scale. And this ability will bring it down to like an 8.5. So it's still going to be pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, Um, you use toad because it was a nice two for one. You removed something from the board. You jumped somewhere else and got a strength buff, which then allowed it to remove whatever it jumped in front of. mm -hmm. It's still going to do that. Yep. It's going to do that. And I'm trying to think of the uh, scenarios where 13 strength versus 14 strength is going to give this thing um, potentially like another buff off it or um, lose that board state. And there's not a whole lot of opponent's cards that um, are 13 strength or 14 strength or right in that range that um, this is a huge detriment. Yeah, I think it, uh, it's it's 13 to 12, right? Mm-hmm. Now that's, it'll be that 12. one's a big deal, right? That's what's going to happen now. So, so when no, no, is no. This... now is going from fourteen, from seven and seven down to thirteen. But, which but, is seven but in order six, to right? in order to get the second seven, it had to take one point of damage. So Toad never could do better than thirteen after trading into a one health. Yep, right? and that's exactly okay. what I'm yep. trying to say. Yeah, so, okay, right. got so, it. so now it'll be twelve when it's done trading into a one health. So it can be cleared by like uh, a fluffy. At max yep. level. A fluffy at max level, for example. Um, yep. Hairy and, chestnuts. Well, and it can even do, like, against Ironclad when they've got a Scrap Planners out and uh, Destructobots. You can trade. You can eat up the Destructobots, move in front of the Scrapped Planners, uh, regardless of whether it's at 7 or 8 health, and you still get to take care of the Scrapped. So, right. No, that's good. very true. The thing I really like about this is the initial body not changing its size means that every use case you already had for like 
this board state, I've got use out of toad, all of that remains true. There's never a point after this nerf where you're like, oh, I would play toad, but now it won't work. Right? Yeah. Yes, 100%. And um, I am very happy that they never changed the main body um, because, man, if they changed the main body down to six at level five, oh, terrible. Uh, that would have brought my my scale down to like a five or a six for this card. Uh, right, now you can't look, clear Westwind. My, my Toad is still at level four, and I do not play it when I'm trying to rank up in the Heroes League because it just doesn't work. I can't trade into Destructobot, let alone Westwind, right? Like, it just it does not Oof, have the point. effect that you need when the the strength on the main body is that low compared exactly. to the other two mana cards in the game. Yep, I would much rather see them do exactly what they did. Um, I would like to probably see them knock it down one more on the ability, but I am really? willing to hold off on, on you that. You shut your mouth. <laughs> good lord, man. Stop nerfing Shadowfen cards. And Toad's Jeez. still a good card um, with this yeah. change. We just talked about this. It, it's still it, going to yeah, be a no, great it's, card. It's still going to be a good card. I mm-hmm. don't want it to lose more strength and get to the point where it is no longer a good card. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> All right, Subaiku, speaking of keeping the main body the same, uh, Edric the Fierce uh, is now simply Edric the Really Dangerous, I guess. Uh, his ability, uh, main body is the same as it always has been, but yeah. the ability now spawns knights of 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 instead of 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. The uh, OCD in me, who uh, really wants there to be symmetry, is really bothered by this. <laughs> I, want, I want it to be 777 seven, seven across the board, but um, I understand this change. A max level Edric really could turn around a board uh, for you. Like It would clear a lot of your opponent's stuff if they couldn't play positionally around it. This now is kind of okay, kind of a little more fair. Uh, I don't think it changes too many use cases for Edric. I think wherever you would have played it before, you'll play it now. And it's still going to be pretty much as good instead of getting 21 strength out of it across three bodies. You get 19 strength across three bodies. That's fine. For four mana, that's still really good, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one thing that you alluded to earlier is that now you do not get flexibility when responding to scrapped planners. If you want to remove the scrapped, you have to put Edric in front of it. Uh, and that that hurts because that leads you to play it for uh, suboptimal value a lot of the time. And, you know, between uh, scrapped and green gale and windmakers, there's a lot of reasons when you're playing against Ironclad to just not play Edric in the first place. And I hope that that doesn't hurt the overall play rate because I do like the card. It's a lot of fun to use. I'm I'm very glad that you talked about that because um, this is a huge, huge, huge nerf to a swarm mid range. Uh, mm. Because yeah, before you could put um, Edric out beside a scrapped planners, and, and so you still had seven strength left over. The fact that you can't do that anymore and you are forced to lose out on that one uh, night spawn is um, a, a massive detriment to most swarm decks, especially with they're also getting the nerf to um, fragmented essences, means that they're generally only going to have one card in the deck being Box of Wasteland that can take out a scrapped planners. 
which they just nerfed the entire um, Swarm mid-range strategy uh, through this card, which is crazy, which shows how how strong this was. One strength on one ability for one card. Mm-hmm. And that that's all that it takes to, to really, I don't want to say ruin the archetype because that's being a little hyperbolic about it, but it definitely makes it a lot harder to play, especially harder to play into Ironclad. And what do we see right now at the top of the Heroes League, Thomas? Swarm and Ironclad. Like you're just, you're taking the swarm out of the equation. And now we're right back to where we were a year ago. Who stopped Ironclad? Winter. Right. Winter does. That's for sure. Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I was saying that. <laughs> Thomas and I had a conversation today in Discord, and for those of our listeners who didn't get to hear it, we were having a discussion about how Toad does not shape the meta, but uh, Scrapped Planners does. And uh, Edric is sort of, a, the, the inclusion of Edric in a lot of decks, I feel like, is a perfect example. There's no way to counter Toad, because Toad... There's no, there's no like anti-toad card you, and you're not going to build your entire deck eight health or above, right? Um, scrapped though, I have seen Harpies of the Hunt getting played more. Uh, Edric sees a ton of play. There's a lot of cards being put into decks solely because they get favorable trades into scrap planners. Well, it's not even necessarily favorable. It's that you have to include them if you don't want to lose to a four mana card. Right. And, and and taking Edric down that notch, so forcing it in time, there are times where I have played Edric. Uh, I just maxed him this month literally because of Scrapped Planners. I wanted to be able to play Edric. Uh, I have played Edric to the side of a Scrapped to just clear the Scrapped and still have a body left over, right? To get a favorable trade. Uh, that Those situations where I'm just using my four mana to clear your four mana, now I, it's a clean trade at best. Right? Which means you're generally down on mana because they're they're scrapped already eight something most likely. Exactly what I was gonna say, right? Like it's not a favorable trade when you play Edric into scrapped. You're just regaining the value that you had already lost. Correct. Well, that was part of the reason why I didn't mind fragmented essences having seven health at max level. Because if my opponent has already taken out my three mana card, then me playing another two mana card to get rid of it, I'm only actually, I'm I'm still down a mana. So, but the thing is, do we need to talk about how with the, we need to have the two mana card back up to seven strength, or maybe Scrap Planners has been avoiding a nerf a little bit too long. Well, that's what I'm wondering is in all of this, by removing all of the cards that are currently holding scrapped back, right? The meta is being forced to play all of these cards because they are viable techs against effectively the gorilla in the room. As we see them starting to get nerfed or or, or go away from, are, are we not going to move ourselves right back into what Sabaiko said, uh, what, where we were a year ago, where Ironclad just sort of dominated because of Scrapped? It's a worry for sure. You know, I, I definitely think that Ironclad is going to be the, the faction to play at the start of next month. And Scrapped is a big reason why. It, it always has been. I, you know, now I go the other direction and think about, well, if you nerf scrapped again bring it back to what it was for example uh where it didn't really see a lot of play at all 
is that too much in the opposite direction? Does most of the ironclad early game kind of revolve around scrap planners and maybe, you know, to a lesser extent, linked golems? Boy, uh, Thomas, I, I, I defer to you since this is my first month really jamming ironclad. I, I defer to your judgment on this. Um, I'm going to say that we can't really do that comparison uh, because look at all, like, Sheepyard has nerfed, or not nerfed, they've modified literally over 100 cards since last year at this time. And and so Scrap Planners was literally an entirely different world at that point in time. And, and so I think that it's kind of an apples to oranges comparison. And so with all the changes that they've done since then, it may just be totally possible that it is time to bring scrapped back down to seven. And um, I think that's, that makes the most sense to me. Like Bruce just said, balancing cards is never done. It's a game of whack-a-mole. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always going to be a continual problem because like you said, everything is around it is changing. When you change the context around it, maybe it needs to change again. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of continual uh, uh, changes to cards, I wanted to actually go check out the history on this card to see if I, if it was true. <laughs> I have a feeling Gift of the Wise is the most commonly changed card in the history of Stormbound. And we have another Thomas, Gift of the Wise is getting a berf of all things. It's going to cost nine, but it's going to grant one more mana at every level. No, well, that's a nerf. Yeah, that's a nerf. <laughs> it, it's not a berf because you're you're just keeping the mana gain consistent with what it is now. Yep. Okay, fair. You, you still only gain, only, quote unquote, uh, gain six mana um, from it, but you can't play it until your nine mana turn. Gotcha. Okay, so it is. We 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 are definitive in it. It is a nerf. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. another yep. one. Yep, another one in the same manner that it was changed. Uh, what was it, about a year ago? Mm-hmm. Right, where a year ago it was seven mana with the same mana gain. Now it's eight mana with the same mana gain. Soon it'll be nine mana with the same mana gain. Um. Okay. So like, actually, like jumping into it. <sighs> As usual, because it's Gift of the Wise, honestly, this probably doesn't change that much because Winter players do a great job of figuring out how they're going to just craft their deck until that critical turn. Probably going to end up seeing the exact same thing again because like, as soon as the card got changed up to 8 mana, it was the exact same thing. Everyone was like, oh, then well, now I, I just can't play Winter anymore because I can't last until turn 8. Well, they figured out a way to last until turn eight and get their crazy uh, eight, eight mana turn. And I, I think it's probably going to be the same thing as this uh, again. I agree with you. It's it's going to impact a little bit, right? You're going to have to learn how to cycle. Right now, you throw away your gift of your wise on three or four mana to get back on eight. Now you can hold it in your hand till five mana, throw it away on five mana, get it back on nine. Like It's all going to work out, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, control tools in this game are still really strong. Uh, uh, Hunter's Vengeance, Void Surgers, I still see Loris, you see everywhere. Uh, Fluffy, uh, now I'm only in five mana cards for some reason. Uh, <laughs> but all Twilight Prowlers is perfect. But even on the good, five mana cards, right? it doesn't matter because they still cost five mana, regardless of whether this costed eight or nine, you're still playing those things on five mana turn. Exactly. And right, you're able exactly. to fit them in on 
five, six, seven, eight mana now just to kind of draw out the game. And you're still going to be in okay shape when it comes time to play Gift. And then that gives you the tempo you need to just turn it around. I feel like cards like Rhymeling and to a lesser extent, Giovanna, cards that um, can't be played until a certain turn and then give you like like Giovanna, for example, right? I can get four back from it. It's really complicated. And, and, and hard to do to get more than I started with at the beginning of the turn. So yeah, I can play this card and I get some of my starting mana back, but I never really, I mean, it's a rare event that I get more than what I started with. Those kinds of cards feel a lot more balanced and reasonable. And I feel like it doesn't really matter what the mana cost versus payoff is with gift of the wise just the fact that i can gain six additional mana from where i started is pretty bonkers yep i agree i mean now this is percentage wise less um eight divided by 13 uh mm-hmm. or sorry eight divided by four or 14 divided by eight versus 15 divided by nine slightly percentage wise it's less but it, it yeah overall it is the, still the exact same thing and now on your nine mana turn you can play Siren of the Seas and Tigor for the win on nine mana turn versus before it was uh, Chillbeards and uh, Saber Paws for on your eight <laughs> mana turn. Same thing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I look forward to having this conversation again next year about the 10 mana <laughs> gift of the life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on from there, we have one final nerf. Sabaiku Chillbeards, um, uh, the ability will continue on units and structures, but the ability will no longer trigger against the base. Your thoughts? Rest in peace, Chillbeards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you guys think mm-hmm. so? It's it's not Siren, right? It has an additional use over Siren mm-hmm. with its ability to uh, uh, cleanly and effectively clear towers. That's nice. I just don't feel like we're in that much of a tower meta that I would choose it over Siren. Well, remember, if your opponent has something fairly small on their baseline, you're still going to be able to get um, at least Siren amount of damage at their base generally. And so um, between that and then, it does feel pretty bad to play Siren against an unstable build that is threatening uh, Hearth Guards against your base. And and sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. And okay. so you do that. Okay. And that does feel really bad. And so I still think that Chillbeards will see some play. It, it, it's not going to completely disappear. Um, but in general, Siren is probably going to be the go-to again, which makes sense. It's a legendary. It's a legendary. It has more movement, which is critical. And it can be flexibly used defensively against large units. Chillbeards is better defensively against smaller units. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. you're left with just a big body on the board that's harder for your opponent to deal with. So, if we continue with a kind of like a small token meta where people are trying to leave something to be buffed up with bucks, for example, maybe Chillbeard still is a better card in that matchup. But in general, I think the flexibility of the Siren is probably going to win out. Yeah. You you only you only need Chillbeards to be late by a turn once before you wish it was siren even in that matchup (laughs) yeah well so i think this goes back to um i mean they should have done this from the get-go we should not have had an entire month where uh one turn wins uh, single turn wins because that was just ridiculous but um no with uh 
like what I was saying the last time that we uh, talked is that Chillbeards is going to go in the crazy aggro decks. Uh, Siren is going to go in the mid-range or just kind of catch-all. And then Ulf is going to be in the control decks. And I think that's perfectly fine. All right, that makes sense. I like that kind of breakdown of the situation. Basically, Chillbeards is still a big chunk of damage to the base. So if you're already on their baseline, then you don't need the extra movement from Siren. Guys, we also got some new cards. Uh, first up, Thomas, is Die Hards, which are not a Christmas movie. I want to make that <laughs> clear right now. Die Hard was a movie that took place at Christmas, but not a Christmas. Anyway, um, anyway, this Hards? is a Die Hard podcast now. <laughs> it's a Yippee. Christmas movie. Yippee Welcome Kaye. to the party, pal. <laughs> um, come out to the coast. So... Uh, Die Hards is a swarm rare, undead, clearly drawn to look like Sabaiku, uh, four mana, uh, two, three, four, five, six strength, zero movement, and it has a rather interesting ability. When dying from an ability or spell, respawn on this tile with four, six, eight, ten, twelve strength. Whoo boy. Thomas, what do you think? Um, well, it's not a fantastic card. It is sweet. Uh, I love the concept. <laughs> I, I love the theme of it. Like it, like if it does die to a, like one of those unique things, that's probably not going to happen very often. The fact that this card specifically comes back with that much extra strength is like feels perfect theme for the undead. And now I want every undead card to have a respawn ability just because that is like just so perfectly themed for an undead <laughs> right yeah, I, I don't i don't want our listeners to to miss what you said there because it's it's really important it doesn't spawn a token it respawns itself at twice its original health it's the same unit again they definitely named this after the wrong movie because if you strike it down it will get twice as powerful oh, <laughs> only for right. the first time <laughs> <laughs> it's the Obi-Wan. Uh, yeah, no, but uh, I, I agree, Thomas. This is just, this is sweet. This is a fun card and it's a great choice for in a control meta where you do see those things that we talked about earlier, like Hunter's Vengeance, Void Surgers, right? Now you put this in your deck and you say, okay, go ahead, play Hunter's Vengeance. I don't mind. I'm just going to keep my front and get a 12 strength out of it. Yeah, I, I just want to make sure everyone understands. Uh, Siren has an ability that would shrink it, but then kills it within an actual unit-to-unit -unit attack. So it would not respawn. Uh, confinement into a simple trade with uh, gifted recruits is going to cause no respawn either, right? So it, it has to be like what Sabaiku was talking about, Void Surgers, Siege Assembly, True Shot, stuff like that, uh, Hunter's Vengeance, uh, an Aaron Needle Blast. Yeah, uh, so Loris or uh, Unhealthy Hysteria or Confusion where it is forced to attack or be attacked. Mm. Those are unit-to-unit -unit attacks. So it will not respawn there. So it, it is a little more limited in its use cases than I would like, but I think that that's probably for the best. Uh, it, this could very easily get out of hand. Uh, I can see this <laughs> card being a problem if they aren't weren't careful about it. Yep, uh, for sure. Because, I mean, you could just play a Swarm control deck even with uh, uh, health, unhealthy or uh, 
Hunter's Vengeance in the deck, and you just play it with uh, no worries to the card. Like, if your opponent was, like, trading into it with something, uh, like, after it had already respawned, for example, and you just want to reset it back up to 12, you, you play your Hunter's Vengeance, and it's back to 12 again. Or oh your Swarm opponent plays it. You put yours in front of it and Hunter's Vengeance and just let it go. Coin flip, baby. <laughs> Broken Truce. You don't do Broken Truce on this, but if this thing is near something that you want a Broken Truce, because otherwise you're just spending eight mana and three life on a 12 strength unit. Yeah, that feels terrible. That's that absolutely terrible. That's that's god awful. You definitely do not want to do that. But you broke in truth some you're right. Like you broke in truth, for example, there's scrapped planners that's on your baseline that you don't have any other way to get rid of. You say, Well, I gotta do the broken truce go. anyway. I'm just gonna put this down and uh, get a twelve strength out of it. Yep, exactly. It. It's interesting. Sabaiku, easy question for you here. Do you rush with it? Yes, yes, I do rush with it. Okay, moving on, folks. We've got a rush card. Well, here, here's the thing. Like you. All right, oh, oh, let me. Get, oh, oh, I'm going to go oh, deeper oh, into that because caveat. it's a swarm card. Caveat. So there's competition for this spot, and the competition for this spot is really Shady Ghoul. Shady Ghoul sucks as a one-strength unit, but okay. the effect lets you hold your front in a, in any sort of uh, area where you would not otherwise be able to. Hmm. Right. Like there are times when I have put Shady Ghoul in a rush deck just basically because I want to open the game with it on three mana and then throw it away every other time I see it. But occasionally you will use it. You'll just, you know, throw it out there and say, okay, I know you're running a Hunter's Vengeance. I'm going to punish you if you play it because it's not going to actually clear my board and I'll still be able to find a way to win afterward. This does the same thing, but the difference there is you can't play it on three mana. It doesn't move to that like shady ghouls got some advantages over it yeah this feels more to me diehards feels more to me like an anti-control card if the meta shifts towards a lot of aoe hunter's vengeance for example or toxac um you put diehards into that deck to force your opponent to need more mana it's like nope you can't play that hunter's vengeance yet you first have to clear this unit with a unit to unit trade and then you can afford to play the aoe and so you delay the aoe turn by it by maybe one turn or two uh which in a rush deck is all you need so i agree with you that it has a place in rush but i feel like this is more of a tech card in rush uh to counter uh, an aoe heavy meta which makes sense it's four mana we should have seen this coming. <laughs> Four mana tech card for sure. Four mana tech card. Um, That's so novel. Yeah. The, the last thing I want to mention about this, because I was brought up in the Discord today and I'm so excited to try this out, is during the Structures Brawl, I am absolutely going to level this up to level five to play Swarm in the Structures Brawl so that when my opponent plays Siege Assembly, I can just play this uh, in the siege, siege in front of the Siege Assembly in any row and uh, just call it a day because it's just going to keep soaking up the damage and respawning. <laughs> Joke's on you. My Siege Assembly is only level four. Ah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, that is fantastic. And then you park your pillars behind it and they exactly. never get to your pillars and you win that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. Yep. I I'm like totally it. doing that. I'm going to play Shadowfen in that brawl just so I can convert your diehards and then talk sack it. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. That's Wait a terrible. second. But it says when dying from ability or spell, 
Toxa. Who gets the respawn? Well, I if, if, if I, I convert it, if I convert it first, it's mine. Right. Yeah. 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 But when it comes back, it'd probably come back under its owner's control. No, I'm thinking no, of a different card no. game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <it's laughs> no, as someone who has uh, 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 clericsed enough shady ghouls and azure hatchers in his day, let me assure you that the spawns from a converted unit stay mine. Uh, well, those are spawns. So, what happens when you convert a phoenix and it dies? Do you do you get the phoenix? Yeah, oh, yeah, you must get yeah. the phoenix. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yep, that, that solves that dilemma. All right. So, moving on from that, uh, that one was asked to Thomas. So, this one's going to go to Sabaiku. Sabaiku, function wilds. It's an ironclad rare. It's a construct. One, two, three, four, five strength. So you're clearly thinking, okay, this must cost one mana, maybe two. No, it's three. Uh, On play. Oh, it has one movement, by the way. On play, vitalize itself and one, one, two, two, two surrounding friendly units. All right. (laughs) This is a tough one. I, I do not think this is as bad as it looks on paper. At level five, you look at this and you think the strength is terrible. Vitalize doesn't help at all. It isn't construct, so maybe it's kind of something you want to play with Link Golems. So if you're going like real construct heavy upgrade point Link Golems kind of deck, maybe you find a home for it there just for a little bit of redundancy around the opening game constructs. Uh, But in general, you look at this and you think it's probably not worth it. But at low levels, where the Vitalize actually matters a little bit more because plus one strength is a little more important, you might actually fit this into some Ironclad decks. So you're saying in the new draft mode? As long as you plan on losing before you get to level three. (laughs) Um. I disagree with that. Unfortunately, even in the draft mode, oh, I would no. be rather—I'd be rather taking. Um, oh, why can't I think of the three mana personal uh, servers? Personal servers. I would be taking that at, at level one versus function wilds at level one. So it's bad at level one. At level five, I ironically find this a little bit better um, because. The only reason I say that is generally on your three mana turn, um, playing this or playing uh, Gifted Recruits, that's really all you're going to be able to play on your very first turn of the game anyway. And so I'd rather play this, um, obviously, just for then that that vitalizing over the course of your next turn, potentially uh, cycling into Linked Golems. And so... It's it's a little bit better, I think, uh, than personal servers at level five. Um, and so, so that's the so reason you're saying why I think. if you open with this on three mana, it could get plus one strength where it's West Wind Sailors and you're excited about playing West Wind Sailors. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> Actually, in a, in a deck with iron, in an ironclad deck with linked golems, I would prefer to play West Wind Sailors construct than West Wind Sailors. Exactly. Player. That's where yeah. I was about to go with this. Yep. It, that, and then also, the, obviously, as you just guys have mentioned, uh, upgrade point too. Um, and so, again, it, it's not great. Uh, you definitely should not be running this in, in any deck that is not extremely dedicated to constructs. Here's here's where my mind went with it, is um, what it's incentivizing me to do is to cluster three units the two units that were on the board and this one with a space in between them that void surgers would eat up. When you think about um, 
like uh, unstable fort tonic. Unstable fort tonic incentivized you to play units in clusters with a tower, but they got a buff immediately. So if your opponent responded with void surgers, for the most part, they were just removing the buff and damaging the tower. Like that's fine. It's not the worst thing in the world. Vitality doesn't do anything. So if you actually try to play this for the value and you've got, you know, two, five health units on the board, which is not unusual, and you play this, you have to play it so it's touching all of them, surrounding them, and then it moves forward one. And that spot that it was played in, that it moved out of, is just the juiciest Void Surgers play ever. Well, in theory, you you're keeping your opponent's front back so they can't play Void Surgers With there. what? With this card? <laughs> With this card, exactly, because it's stronger than personal servers. What? <laughs> Those you get too many three men of five health units pushing your opponent back. They just can't handle all the pressure. <laughs> no, yeah. I th- I think this fits the theme that they're releasing unpower- underpowered cards and then um, having more time to reevaluate to see where exactly it should be. Now, yeah. what what this card does do that we did not talk about is this counters Shadowfen poison really really well. True. Mm. If there ever was going to be a Shadowfen poison control meta, this will be the ironclad counter to it. And I think we're we're, we're uh, dissuading Shadowfen poison from happening right now. The, this card's now in the meta. The issue with that, though, is that it's not four mana. It's not a tech card. Oh, oh good point. <laughs> All right, we're going to need to bump up the mana cost. Yeah, make yeah, this, they're, they're gonna make this a four mana five strength. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, no, they're going to burf it. It'll be a four mana seven strength. All right, speaking of anti-poison cards, uh, Thomas, Soap Cleanse is a Shadowfen rare spell, one mana, and it reads, restore up to three, four, five, six, seven, initial strength of all friendly poisoned units and vitalize them. This one is interesting. It turns Helio Trooper, Troopers into a scrapped planners for one turn. Um, I, I haven't read... <laughs> Budget scrapped! Budget yeah, there you scrapped. go, exactly. I mean, it, it's a cool concept, a really neat uh, design, uh, very out-of-the-box thinking. But now I have to think very out of the box to create a deck for it. I've never been good at making any Shadowfen poison decks, and so it's even going to be harder for right. Well, this is one. weird. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh no, that's fine. Uh, that basically, yeah, that you want to use this to um, fix the things that you were destroying of your own. Uh, the only thing I like about this, uh, or not the only thing. Um, a small benefit of this card is that if you have nothing to play it on and you have one mana left in your turn, you can just play this thing because you don't have to have any targets to just get it out of your hand and, and cycle back into it in the future when you may want to have it. Yeah, just get rid of it when you don't have it. No, I want to go back to what you said about Poison Shadowfen decks, right? Because you think of Poison Shadowfen and you think of, okay, I want Venom Fall and I want things to take advantage of the poison like Marcus Prey and amber hides right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this doesn't care what you poison on your opponent's side of the board it wants you to have your own units that get poisoned and the only way to do that right now at least is toxic sacrifice and crimson sentry like things that do a big chunk of damage to your unit as well as poison it which means your units 
have to be beefy enough to withstand the initial chunk of damage from your own source of poison and then you play this afterward to reverse that like playing big beefy shadow fen units that control the board is just not something that you really do unless you make it to you know 10 mana and you're able to reign of frogs claxi eight mana with bragda like right that but in those decks you're not exactly trying to to continue to control the board and poison all your units and then restore them up and vitalize them. Right. Like one of the things that people talked about in the Discord chat today was, oh, well, you could pair this with chestnuts. And oof. So I was thinking through how, because I I still play a lot of hairy chestnuts. And I was thinking through how I mostly play it now, right? And And, and one of the matchups that I see a lot is against Zuri Bucks style uh, swarm decks. And uh, that happens to be one of the matchups that I think is most competitive for Chestnuts because uh, they they tend to want to put units in a column for you. And that's what Chestnuts wants. Chestnuts wants a unit this turn to walk into it. And then at the start of your next turn, it walks into another unit and it's just boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. It's getting a couple of ticks here and there. And so I'm like, oh, well, maybe I could place this in front of a pair of units, hit go, Chestnuts takes one point at the start of my turn, Chestnuts hits the other unit. Now I'm going to talk sack something. I'm going to play like Saber Paws next to it or, or something cheap, Reign of Frogs, something cheap next to it, talk sack that, and then I can heal it. I can't heal it first because it's not poisoned yet. I have to poison it. And this is where I run into the problem. It's a 12 health body. 12 if my opponent has played gifted recruits and some other five health unit pretty common again you know big thrust you see in a lot of those zuri bucks decks two five health units i go from 12 minus five to seven it drains but only heals for two so it's now nine at the start of my turn chestnuts moves forward from nine it takes another five it's down to four up two to six because that's all it heals i can't toxac Six will just kill the chestnuts. So in, in in its best use case, the chestnuts aren't actually targetable on the second turn to be poisoned. I would have to actually play chestnuts, a unit to Toxac, Toxac, and this all on the same turn. That is a very, very big turn. I like that you're trying to turn this whole conversation around into arguing for a chestnuts buff. <laughs> 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 if chestnuts were 14, hear me out. No, um, but no, I just, I, I, aside from the Helios turn, right? The Helio Troopers turn of, I have a seven health poisoned unit that's going to trade into something and I immediately play this one mana, heal it back up to full and vitalize it card. That combo is the only co- combo that really makes sense within the game right now. Yep, that that's a really good analysis on it. And um yeah, I don't know. Well, okay, so looking at the card, what could they do to buff this card? And I'd say nothing. Like, I think, like, based on looking at this card, not not looking at anything else that's in, currently in the game, looking at this card looks like this is totally legitimate. So what I'm really, really, really super hoping for is that they, over the course of the next few months, start introducing new cards to the game or balancing different cards to then make this card work with whatever those other cards are. So so I, 
please, if they're listening to this podcast, to uh, to have something in the queue to to make this thing viable. And they just released this into the game first so that people can start uh, getting into their collections and start leveling it up. Uh, you might get what you wish for, but not in the way you mentioned it. Because uh, my reaction to this card when taken with Function Wilds was, oh, I wonder if they're planning on buffing poison control so that there's more ways to poison your opponent's units. And they're now pre-introducing those cards, trying to put in the tech cards just in case Shadowfen poison control gets to be too powerful. But at even... Least too f- at least two factions have a counter. Uh, that is great tinfoil hat, but the issue with that <laughs> is that um, even with all the uh, potential poison things that they may want to do, to your point of Toxac already doing six damage, if they're uh, buffing poison, then it's going to do even more damage. And so they need to um, like do something to introduce low poison damage to your own units. Or That's the yeah. trick. That's the trick, right? Mm-hmm. If Soap Cleanse didn't require the units to be poisoned and could just heal It'd be OP. and vitalize, it would be OP, but it would actually have use case. Mm-hmm. For now, I think we're going to let it go. We're going to have to revisit this once we see the other cards. I think Thomas is right, though, Sabaiku, that there's, oh, I sure there's other so. cards we don't see yet. I have to hope this. so, yeah. Right. Uh, but we are going to move on from there to what I think is the most exciting for me personally, at least, and I, I don't want to speak for the two of you, but Blizzard Bombs. First off, kick-ass name. Uh, Second off, winter... awesome art. Awesome art, <laughs> um, which uh, I, I, I try to stay away from complimenting the art because that used to be a running gag with a lot of the Hearthstone community. When a bad card was introduced, everyone would say, well, the art's nice at least. Uh, <laughs> But in this case, no, it is it is awesome art. It is an awesome name. It's an awesome card. Sabaiku. It's a winter rare. It's a frostling. Four, five, six, seven, eight strength, one movement. On death, freeze all surrounding units. The first freeze card that we have ever seen that does not need to be played from your hand to activate the effect. This is something that can trigger on your opponent's turn. It can trigger at the start of your turn when it moves up. Uh, that raises a lot of possibilities, honestly. Like it, it, it makes it so you don't need to have Icicle Burst in your Giovanna deck if you don't want to, although you probably still want to. Uh, you know, It lets you do a, a lot more to set up a board as opposed to just react to what your opponent does. And I think that's really strong. I'm looking forward to playing this. Uh, I think it can go in a rush deck. Uh, you do have to be careful in a rush deck because it can freeze your own units as well as the opponent's units. So uh, trying to, for example, separate things, put it put it in one corner, put another unit on the other corner. Now your opponent has to kind of decide, well, if I trade into the Blizzard Bomb, I'm going to freeze something there, and that's not helpful Maybe it makes incentivizes them to trade onto the other side and take a suboptimal trade and allows you to kind of snowball the board. Uh, if you're playing this in a control deck, maybe you actually start to see midwinter chaos, right? You can set this up, have it explode on your opponent's turn, and then come back and clear their board. Probably not, but it lets you at least make use of Shivana in a control deck in a little more reliable manner where you have a little bit uh, heavier mana curve and it's harder to consistently get an Icicle Burst-Giovanna combo early. Now you just have a backup freeze option that 
on its own is not a bad unit to play. Eight strength for four mana at level five is a very standard uh, breakpoint, so it'll do some work for you. I, I, I want to be clear. I'm actually going to try that Midwinter Chaos deck you just mentioned. That sounds awesome. It really does. <laughs> it does. I got to tell you, that's, that's freaking cool. If Midwinter Chaos didn't still have a strength cap, then it would be really cool. Uh, but now it's kind of limited use cases for that kind of effect, let's say. That's fair. But but if I play this on four mana... So the one thing that I I, I did see about this that, that kind of deflated me a little bit um, uh, was that, to your point, it is a four mana 8-1 at max level. That makes it a very standard four mana card. Like like if you, if you play this into one corner, your opponent could just play Siege Breakers to clear it. And now there is no frozen unit left over, right? Because it's just a clean trade. It would have been neat if it was actually a 7-1. That actually would have made it more powerful, not less. Uh, as a four, as, I know it sounds weird, but just something that would have caused odd trades so that you could have created a frozen unit on your opponent's baseline, potentially, uh, to make base locks easier would have been so cool. <laughs> I- I get what you're saying, but I'm going to 100% disagree with that because look at Scrapped Planners starting out at A strength and all the trades that you get to move into with what would be a one strength Scrapped or two strength Scrapped Planners left over. This is going to be one or two strength left over. Yep, because it so, moves, you get to control the initial mm-hmm, trade. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly, because of that movement, that's key. And so you never will try and just throw this on the baseline as that Hail Mary to somehow get the 8 into the base. Instead, your opponent played a Gifted Recruits, you trade this into the Gifted Recruits, and you're good to go. That's fair. So so, so it makes it a little bit less of a rushy card and uh, a lot more of a mid-range to control card. Yeah, you're playing this in some kind of um, not combo deck. Uh, combo is kind of the uh, the wrong word, but um, a, a themed deck. Mm, but it's a good theme. I do like it. I, I think this is going to be a lot of fun to play. Best card of the bunch, do we think? Yes. Yeah, look, as somebody who has very much enjoyed playing Giovanna's decks uh, in a rushier, more aggressive manner, um, yeah, I, I will make use of this as soon as I get it leveled. So the one thing that I do want to mention about it is there are some outstanding questions that I did not see answered. I tried my best to keep track of all of the Q&A that happened today. Um, one of the questions that uh, I believe Reckless asked, which I thought was very intelligent, was what is the order of operations if you play this defensively on your second row and somebody throws a siren through it? Does siren siren freeze? Does siren freeze? (laughs) Yes. Does siren freeze on the initial tile siren was played on or does siren freeze on the tile this was played on? And I think he said that it gets to the tile that this was played on, but I'm pretty confident that that's incorrect, that Siren actually freezes on the tile it was played on because death effects happen first, and so this thing dies to to Siren's uh, damage coming up, and that freezes Siren on the tile that it was on. You're disagreeing with the only one who has made Stormbound true-false videos. Yeah, I know. Okay, next question. Say I have a level four blizzard bombs and my opponent has a level five diehards. What happens when I trade? 
depends on order of operations. Are you no, trading? No, it doesn't because it's a unit to unit. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Got him! Hey, oh. All right, let's move on from there, guys, because even though this almost feels like an afterthought, I actually think this is going to be one of the biggest changes to the game that we will feel uh, this year. And, and this year includes the Heroes League. Uh, this quality of life change is huge. Uh, Thomas, we can import and export decks. That is awesome. Um, I, I have to say, poor Kitty, with all the work that she does to Stormbound Kitty, the amount of uh, decks that are going to be flooded into Stormbound Kitty uh, and so that people can actually import and export whenever they want to the 2 million decks that they make is going to be absurd. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, Baiku, how long have we yearned for this feature? Just sharing decks is going to be so much nicer now. You can just copy the code, put it in the Discord, text it to your friend, whatever. They copy it, they put it in the game. It's nice and easy. It's, it's going to make one of the one of the more annoying things about having to you know go back and forth between windows and oh which, which four mana cards are supposed to be in there like that just goes away now. I, I do want to point out that the uh, system that they're implementing apparently can handle the fact that your library is missing cards from the deck list and it, it prompts you to let you know hey this card's not there what do you want to swap it with which is super helpful as well. The fact that it's already integrated into the deck builder at stormbound-kitty.com is fantastic also. Agreed. And a shameless plug, if you're not on stormbound-kitty.com uh, on a regular basis, uh, I don't know what you're doing. There's so much information there. She does such an amazing job with that site. Uh, I know we have plugged her site uh, many, many times before. We will continue to do so unabashedly. Uh, there are some new books. Sabaiku, the shop, uh, you are the wizard of, uh, of of the shop. I think it's mostly because um, I only spend my wife's money, so I never pay attention to any of it to know what's a good <laughs> buy or not. Uh, you, you have all of this stuff nailed down. Tell us about the new shop offer. So there's going to be some new books. Now, each of the neutral unit types will have their own, sorry, each of the non-neutral unit types will have their own books. Uh, you can get a book of ravens, book of undead, a book of constructs, uh, and temples will have their own book. In general, this is something that's kind of just for completeness. You know, I've never really particularly liked those offers uh personally but that's just me and maybe you're looking to uh really round out your collection in a very specific manner and this will help you get my function wilds but more importantly black friday sales are now confirmed in the patch notes all books including nobles that you purchase with coins or rubies will yield an extra card until the end of the black friday event and the paid bundles yielding coins and rubies will grant 40% more for the duration of the Black Friday event. That's November 24th through November 30th. So if you're going to turn some rubies into coins, wait until the end of the month. If you're going to buy some uh, heroic or mythic tomes, do that at the end of the month. And yeah. Specifically, we should make mention that the final card being introduced of the uh, new cards this coming month will be on the 29th. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. That's the blizzard bombs. Yeah, if you want the best of the bunch, you got to save all your rubies for after blizzard bombs is released, but before 
the Black Friday event and try to get those heroic tomes or Frostling books or whatnot. Oh, that's right. It's a Frostling. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. So so 29th or 30th of November are basically the only two days to buy packs if you want to try to get everything you can. That ends the main portion of this episode, which means it's time for me to remind you to contact us, preferably in our channel on the Stormbound Discord server, on Twitter at BroodSages, and you can email us at thebroodsages at gmail.com. We also have an additional way for you to reach out and support us. We have a Gumroad account where you can become patrons of our work. Check out the link on our Stormbound Kitty page. This week, we hear from the one and only Evil Deck, who says, I love how you all just became mischievous children as soon as Sabaiku lost connection. <laughs> There's a reason for that. We are, in fact, mischievous children. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. For Sabaiku and Thomas, I am Freeloader. We are the Brood Sages, reminding you to stay hydrated. <laughs>